Hey everyone, welcome to The Ovation Show, where we're discussing the healthcare crisis in America. We're bringing partners, colleagues, clients, and business owners together to discuss solutions and innovations that are bringing a higher quality of care to employees, reducing their out-of-pocket costs, but we're also reducing the employer's costs and giving more transparency and control. Uh, we're live in the Work Innovator studio today, where Work Innovators is amplifying the voice of business at the VentureX and Castle Hills at the Realm. And today I brought in one of our great partners, Assured Benefit Administrators, or ABA. I've got Jay Beckett sitting next to me, the Chief Growth Officer, and we've got Trevor Pearson, Vice President of Sales. Welcome, guys. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. All right. So you guys are a third party administrator or TPA, as more commonly known. Um, but we work with a lot of employers that maybe are coming off a fully insured plan. And again, we're, we preach a lot about uh, alternate funding solutions, level funded plans, even self-funding. One of the pieces that always comes in, of course, is the TPA, a very important piece. But most employers, especially in a fully insured, they don't even know what that is. And we have to discuss that. So, Trevor, can you elaborate on really what, what is a TPA? What does a third party administrator do in a health plan? Yeah, sure. So, you know, a, a TPA or a third party administrator is, is really the glue that kind of brings all the different pieces of a health plan together. So when you look at a health plan, you've got the administrator of the plan, which is assured benefits or whatever TPA is on the health plan. You've got the insurance carrier, or the stop loss carrier, which is backing those larger claims, paying for those larger claims on a health plan. And then you've got your prescription benefit management company, which is where all the prescriptions are gonna run through. Um, when somebody goes to the pharmacy, the prescriptions are going through the PBM. Um, and the administrator just really helps bring all of those together, uh, puts them all you know, into the plan, um, handles the billing, the um, you know uh, verification of eligibility, the benefits for the health plan. Um, they'll bring the network into play, whether it's you know the UHC Choice Plus network, um, or if we're doing reference-based pricing, bringing that vendor in, and they stick it all together for each individual employer group. So when I think about that, really, I, I kind of feel like so if I look at Blue Cross Blue Shield, they've got a network, they're the payer of claims. So if I'm on a fully insured plan, really Blue Cross Blue Shield is just a TPA, really. They just have all the pieces and they put it under one big blue logo. But you're basically doing what Blue Cross Blue Shield does overall or United Healthcare or anybody else, right? We are. Yeah, I mean, essentially, yes. Um, you know, we've got different pieces that we can pull from and plug in, whether it's a different stop loss carrier, a different PBM, um, a different network. You know, your, your BUCAs are gonna have, you know, their set networks you know, it's their insurance company that's backing the claims. It's their prescription benefit management company. Um, so where a TPA comes into play, it's, it's really to try and help employers save money. And I, I would I would add to that, thanks Trevor, is that when you have a fully insured arrangement, the risk reward stays with Blue Cross United Signet and whoever the carrier is. Mm -hmm. When an employer plan sponsor looks at segueing to a level funded or self-funded, they're gonna take on that risk. They're gonna have a stop loss policy to cover them catastrophic. But uh, typically there's some there's some savings that are in play uh, off the top around uh, premium taxes, things on the Obamacare, ACA that were put into play that generate some savings. Obviously you gotta look at the health of the group, claims and things of that nature to see if it's the right fit. But a lot of it really comes down to the risk tolerance of of the employer, uh, whether they're saying, okay, instead of it's a winner take all for BUCA, do we want to participate and start assuming some of that risk 
with that stop loss carrier providing the catastrophic uh, backup. So you're mentioning a risk a lot. Now, if I look at, say, a fully insured plan, Blue Cross and I Healthcare, really the only two available in our area, in Texas even, or especially North Texas. When I look at those two plans, I know I'm paying a flat premium. It's out the window. It's gone. So whatever that amount of money, if it's 10000 a month, 100000 a month, the money goes out the window. I never see any of it again. When I go into level funded plan, one of the great things about that is people always worry about risk when they hear funding, self-funding. There's no risk in a level funded plan, basically. And they get they still pay a flat premium, but there's some rewards in there, too, possibly if they have low claims. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's yeah, you're absolutely right. So with a fully insured plan, let's say you're paying ten thousand dollars a month in premium. You have, you know, a 30 percent loss ratio for the plan year. Well, you know, you ran great, but you're getting no reward back. You're getting no money back from the fully insured carrier with a level funded health plan. Let's say you're paying that same ten thousand dollars a month in premium every month. But about a third of that premium is set aside into a claims fund for the employer. And so claims are getting paid out of that claims fund on a monthly basis. And if the claims for the year run less than what was put into that claims fund for the whole year, that money is coming back to that employer because their plan performs. Um, that's the reward that they're going to be getting back. We call that a, a refund, a surplus refund. Now, if I go over that claims fund, so I'm an employer and I say, wow, well, I exceeded my claims. I had We had one person had a bad year. I exceed that. Am I on the hook for the rest of that? No, you're not. So that's where the stop loss insurance carrier is going to come in and they're going to insure all the claims that are above that, that maximum claims fund. So there is that reward. Okay, I like that a lot. And that's kind of what we talk to employers about. We try to explain to them, you know, those different pieces and that transparency. And that's one thing I like about when you guys send out a proposal. We we work with other level funded carriers too, but I think you guys simplify it really well in your proposal. It shows that breakdown. So we look at some, we get these stop loss level funded and it's this huge sheet spreadsheet. For somebody that's new to level funding as an employer, it makes no sense. Yeah, and sure. you guys are very, I like the way you do the transparency because I wish I had a quote here to show. It shows here's the administrative cost, here's the stop loss cost, here's your claims fund. That's it. Transparency, see where your money's going, how much is going where. So I think it really helps and the possible savings that we can have. Yeah. I would also add there's some intricacies in the level funded contracts, uh, an ABA versus a Blue Cross or United Cigna, Aetna, where that claims fund that's left over uh, under our ABA contract, we're giving 100% of that back over a certain period. If the, the group terminates, maybe they want to look at an ASO mm -hmm. self-funded arrangement. But a lot of our competitors will not give 100% back. They'll, they'll keep some of those dollars back. So there are some yep. intricacies, but the overall gist of what uh, way Trevor described it is, is correct. I like that you brought that up because one of the reasons that we like ABA so much is that 100% surplus coming back. Because we've had clients receive that surplus check uh, the next year. Companies like, you know, you look at, I think, like United Healthcare All Savers, I'll bring it up, or they're renaming it, but they went from giving 50% of the surplus back to 25%. And same thing with that. Now you get back, and you only get that money back if you renew, and which I think is unfair because it's actually my money as the employer. And you guys give it back regardless because it's not your money. But, but I do think you, you kind of see a, a potential segue. We, we notice a lot is a group may be fully insured. They look at self-fund and say, yeah, that's a little too much because we go with self-funded, the employer setting up a claims fund, they're handling it, the level fund. It is a, a nice stepping stone that a lot of uh, employers will utilize to, to uh, get them on that path to 
a potential self-funded arrangement. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to get their feet wet for sure. So one of the things we see most of the care, even the carers Edna, Humana, they require health applications to because they are a level funded plan. Um, even Blue Cross and United Healthcare have their level funded. So talk about, you know, all of these plans require health applications now, which we have to, again, going back to the employers, trying to explain to them, we need to do this to get the lower cost, to get the benefits of a level funded and even get to get the underwriting and the quotes done. How does that work? So you're getting the applications. How does risk, how does determining risk work? How does it from those applications, that health information? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the health applications are going to be sent to the underwriter of the level funded plan. Um, they're going to review the applications. It's, it's a way to, you know, I'm just going to talk about fully insured for a second. Fully insured now for small group is it's community rated. So it's demographic, age driven only. Um, when the ACA passed, we know the community rates went, you know, way mm-hmm. up. Le- underwriting individual apps on level funded is a way to get the best possible rate for the group, underwrite the risk individually that's on that group and set the rates where they need to be set. But then also for future renewals, you know, you're not relying on you know, the carrier's manuals if they have to jack their manuals way up the next year. You're relying on the risk that was underwritten at the beginning and the risk throughout that year and the next year. Okay. So yeah, I like that. It's looking at actual risk. And you mentioned something earlier about, you know what, I, I ran my, man, we didn't use our health insurance. You know, we look at it and go, yeah, nobody used it. And I'm paying, and I'm getting a 10% increase each year. The beauty of it is, you know what, we, you know they didn't use it. And so they can be rewarded for that, not just with the claim surplus, but I know we've had some groups where, you know, we reduced the renewal or they got they got no increase the next year because they ran well. They're rewarded for running well, for taking care of their employees. Um, going back to the TPA side of putting all the pieces in, the other thing I like too is we're able to take the best, you know, with Blue Cross or United Healthcare, I'm stuck with whatever they give me. It's part of the plan. With you guys, we've been able to go in and say, we want to add this piece into it. Can we change it? I mean, look at my telemedicine. Yep, yep. We had our groups that were all with my telemedicine. You guys were great and said, okay, we already have a telemedicine carrier, but you can bring your groups in and we'll patch in my telemedicine for just my groups. Well, eventually you guys end up doing a whole big contract with my telemedicine, which is great for them. Um, so let's going, going into the level funded side of stuff. We talk about all those pieces. Maybe Jay, you can talk a little about, I guess the network side of stuff. Cause again, people look at the card, it's ABA. They want that comfort level of sure. a logo. So how do you guys handle that? Yeah. And, and I, if you don't mind, Dan, I'd like to, <clears throat> I think to answer that question, like kind of tell you how ABA came up yeah, and, and how we're able to, to bring um, various options. You know, our three main tenets that we focus on is flexibility, innovation, accountability for, for our clients. And, and as an independent TPA, what you're finding out there is a lot of independent TPAs are getting absorbed by uh, a UMR, a Maritain, UMR is owned by United, Maritain, Aetna. You've got 90 Degrees, which is Blue Cross of Alabama, which may, has made three to four acquisitions in Texas over the past two years. So the independent TPA, I say it's going the way of the dinosaur, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's, it's, uh, it's the, the choices have become limited, but we still pride ourselves on that flexibility, innovation, accountability. And uh, aside from ABA, we also have affiliated companies. We've built our organization to, to really focus on those tenants. So aside from paying claims, which is ABA, we also have our own proprietary network, which is the IMS network, 
We have our own MGU, which helps out around the stop loss, especially in the level funded and other realms. We have our own PBM, and then we also have an international company. So, oh, yeah. so we are we are a family-owned company, no private equity VC. Started in El Paso. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's kind of interesting how we got in the international space. Is having that IMS network domestically, the Rendell family who were in El Paso. We've since moved the headquarters to Dallas about ten years ago. Had people coming in from Mexico getting care at local facilities in El Paso, and they go to Mr. Rendell and say, hey, can you help me on negotiating these bills? So that's kind of oh, the segue into the international. But um, we've been around since the 80s. And like I said, I'll go back to your question, Dan, pride ourselves. So we can go to an employer and say, do we want to look at direct contracting is kind of in vogue now, where you go direct contract with providers or a system. Mm -hmm. And typically there's a the system will look at it as, okay, if I'm gonna reduce my pricing, what's the volume increase? So it's called what a narrow network. We like to call it a purpose-built network. We have the ability to do reference-based pricing. Uh, one of our major partners there is ClaimDoc. Yep. And so do a lot with them. And then we also have the ability to do a national network. So have access to PHCS, have access to Cigna. We're really uh, proud we have access to UHC, their Choice Plus network which really gives us the ability to, to go in and take those networks and say, okay, what do we plug and play from point solutions? Like some brokers and employers may say, I like this PBM. Some may say, I like this care management or disease management company. You mentioned yep. telemedicine, they may like this vendor or that vendor. So it really gives us the ability to say, okay, let's customize a plan for the broker and the, their client, the employer plan sponsor to generate the most value and uh, we always like to, I like to keep healthcare simple. And essentially employers are looking for three things from their health plan. They, they want cost containment. They like to have certainty, especially the CFO. They don't like to see this. They like to say, okay, can I budget ahead and know what my, my health spend is gonna be? And the last thing, which is really near and dear to the HR is the member experience. Yep. So. Well, I think I like what you said, simplicity and flexibility. Cause that is one reason actually that I really like working with ABA um, and our clients do as well, because we have been able to go in and first of all, the presentations are very simple and easy to understand for an employer new to level funding, self-funding. Um, but being able to be flexible and change, you know, we've done it. Oh, well, they don't like that copay. Let's change that. They don't like that deductible. Let's change it. They want a different network. Let's change it. They don't want the network. We're going to go RBP. Um, so having that flexibility and you guys are great at doing that. I think that's one of the things that we really like you, but you brought up RBP, you brought up networks. So RBP has been a big thing now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk a lot about it. Um, and we, Patrick Martell with Claim Doc was here, what, two weeks ago. Um, talk a little, you've got a relationship with them now and you've done RBP for a while. Uh -huh. um, talk a little bit about the difference between using a PPO network and going RBP and what the difference is in there. And, and then also maybe where that, where you see a heading. What kind sure. Of, what you're saying. Yeah. So we, what we like to do, and we work with a lot of brokers that will go to their respective client or prospect and say, okay, let's look at an RBP and let's look at a traditional network. So can run a repricing analysis on both of those to determine what's going to be the best, the best uh, fit for that employer, especially around that cost containment certainty aspect. So under the RBP, it's a, it's based off a of reference of Medicare pricing. So what you typically find with, with providers and systems, they're going to have their Medicare rates and you'll typically see commercial rates much higher because 
the providers or hospitals will say, well, we can't make money under Medicare, so hence we have to raise the commercials. So RBP really focuses on trying to get that those price or those payments back to a Medicare-based level. And that's why that could be a potential fit. But uh, taking into account also a lot from the RBP perspective is that that member uh, member satisfaction component is 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 it disruptive to the members if they go in RBP because people are accustomed to going into provider with their ID card and it'll have Blue Cross United Signet and a Humana network on it. So it's a different approach for the uh, for the uh, members to go in without a network. So what we typically find on the RBP communication and education is key to, yeah. to, to really ensure that the, the members understand what this is, why it's being done, et cetera. On the flip side, you'll have some employers that say, you know, we ran the analysis and we saw savings, but we just want to focus on, on minimizing any member disruption. And they feel like the RBP uh, could potentially present that. So that's why they'll stick with the traditional network. Okay. Trevor, you're doing quotes all the time and at least you're supposed to be. Um, <laughs> you're doing quotes all the time and you look at a PPO network, you want to quote, I mean, you do it for us. You get a PPO network quote and an RBP quote. What kind of rate difference are you seeing depending on which route they go? On average, about 15%. Um, you're going to see in some markets that that gap is going to be greater. RBP may be 20, 25%. Um, and what it boils down to is the PPO network discounts in that market. So I'll give you an example. We have, you know, we have one network that we work with where in Austin, RBP is about 30% better in rates. So it's really going to depend on the market that you're in. Uh, there's some states in the country where RBP is a little bit more expensive uh, than a PPO network. Now, I'll also say, you know, depending on on the group, um, the C, what the CFO wants, if you can get the HR director, HR manager on board, RBP would still be a really good play, even in those markets, because you're getting away from the percentage off of bill charges with the PPO network, and you're getting to a, a Medicare reference, you know, Medicare plus 20, Medicare plus 50. Are you seeing, I mean, you work with, again, you're working with a lot of brokers um, and our competitors and our colleagues. Are you seeing a, an acceptance of RBP by brokers to present to their clients now? Or are you still seeing it's, they're kind of shying away from it? Uh, it's, it, it depends on the broker. I mean, I, there, there's a few that I work with, you know, you uh, being one of them, uh, a few others that I work with. Um, a lot of brokers, they, they'll still kind of shy away from it. You know, they're, they're used to that PPO network logo on the card. Um, and it's, you know, with RBP, there can be headaches involved. Um, so you have to have, you know, the trusted vendor uh, who can help deal with those headaches. You have to have, you know, the CFO is gonna love the numbers. They're gonna yeah. love the potential savings. It's an HR sale. You got to get the HR uh, department on board, yeah. uh, and then it's an education process for the members. Yeah. You know, and I would add that that's a good uh, point. Points, Trevor. I would add also a lot of it really is predicated on the way employers uh, handle their benefits. You'll see a lot of employers that'll look at a benefit plan has an attraction retention mm -hmm. tool and really weave that into what you call your employee value prop. So those are those are ones that are probably going to be more skewed towards like a network because it's it's uh, they they don't they they don't want to jeopardize anything from their employees. The the attraction retention of employees is key for a lot of 
industries right now. And then you'll have a lot of employers that are more on that price side, transactional. So it's really finding the right fit. And that's why I alluded to at the beginning, um, I, I think it's 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 uh, the brokers we work with f to really go in there and run analysis on both and really understand where's the client around an employee value prop, where are they, if they understand, if they go this particular direction, um, you know, we got to communicate and educate. And then, you know, the network aspect is is still alive and well with, with uh, a number of employers too. Okay. I think it's a good point to stop right now um, and hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. ClaimDoc is a medical claim auditing and member advocacy company. We provide fiduciary services to employer-sponsored benefit plans. We specialize in reference-based pricing. We ensure that the benefit plans are being charged in a fair and reasonable basis. They uh, review the invoices or the bills. I was like, well, that was an interesting piece and then uh, kind of dug into a little bit deeper and it just was really appealing. Where ClaimDoc thrives is we have a member advocacy department we're hearing from members giving us feedback that they were so thankful to be given a person to talk to on the phone the second aspect that really sets us apart is our 360 degree understanding of risk we understand the employee's risk from a credit perspective we understand the employer's risk from a fiduciary standpoint as well as the litigation defense risk on both parties I've saved we'll say hundreds of thousands of dollars um, through doing this process I could not say enough about claim doc all right, everyone, we are back. We're in the studio with Trevor and Jay with ABA, Assured uh, uh, Benefit Administrators. And so we were talking about level-funded health plans, self-funded, um, RBP, PPO networks, a lot of information. But one thing, Jay, you said over and over again was to be successful in anything, it's about employee communication. And so talk to me about your approach and ABA's approach to, I guess, employee communication engagement. Sure, absolutely. I, I think engagement is, is key. If you look at it from a high level, you had a Venn diagram, a whiteboard, but you know, really the, the goal is how do you connect the employer plan sponsor, the employee slash member and the provider? I mean, that's that's the communication and think of the TPA and all the point solutions around that. And then if you drill down deeper around engagement for an employee slash member, you really get three opportunities to engage. You get the point of enrollment, open enrollment, and uh, have a background at large consulting houses and studies have been done that around 45 seconds after an open enrollment meeting, people forget <laughs> what was discussed <laughs> there, whether that's electronic or face-to-face. -face. Point of information is another realm of how you engage uh, an employee, and I'll go into that a little more, and then point of care. And I really wanna expand, let me go on the point of information. So if you look right now as an example, musculoskeletal, which is your neck, shoulder, knee, back, hip, is typically a top three spin, top two spin in the DFW area. So we're in partnership with a company called Hinge Health that focuses around a lot around surgery avoidance. They have about a 70% success rate. Uh, if somebody's knee hurts and they go to the orthopod, orthopedist, and, and they're down the path of an MRI and like, oh yeah, you need to, I'm not saying all specialists or orthos uh, don't focus on a conservative care approach, but they may be down the path for surgery. So in that point of information, when that person realizes, oh my goodness, my knee hurts at open enrollment, it was probably mentioned about Hinge Health. <laughs> Hinge Health has been s sending out information vis-a-vis -vis their HR department for the employer on that informational <laughs> stage, but the member's knee hurts and they forget if they go the Hinge Health path, uh, typically Hinge has a zero dollar cost because the employer realizes the savings there. 
versus going down the path. So, so that's why it's important um, to to really communicate, educate, and and get those right solutions. We we have a really good approach uh, around engagement is with the platform that we're rolling out. We're real excited about that's with, through a company called HealthJoy. That's really going to help out around capturing those people in that point of information. The last thing I'll say is point of care. So if you look at the point of care, that's typically where I want to look at that is back to my example of the person's knee hurts. So they go and and we run a nightly claims feed. So we're going to be able to go in there in conjunction with our partners, HealthJoy, et cetera, and determine like, oh, Dan, to use your example, went in for for to have his knee looked at, and they may be down the path already where you need to go get an MRI and this or that, is to what we call intercept. Try to engage that member then to say, hey, do you realize you have hinge health in this example around mm-hmm. MSK? And if you go this path, it's a minimal or zero dollar out-of-pocket cost for you to try that. And like I said, there's a 70% success rate around engagement. And you could even use the similar things with our informatics company we're looking at is, is trying to identify when people may be uh, you know, down the path of oncology, congestive heart failure, things of that nature, some of your higher dollar claims is how do we intercept and get them associated with a, a primer specialist that can go in there and do things, uh, that can go in there and intercept from that realm. So around that point of care also is even around pre-certification. So catching someone, typically it's around 72 hours after something that's pre-certified before they go in uh, to to have a a surgical event is really going in then and trying to get with that employee or member them to say, listen, I know you're going to this respective facility. Let's say it's in the UHC or in, in a network. There's other options within that network that, that are gonna be same quality, much lower cost. And you're even seeing employers now get really specific around their plan design on promoting financial incentives for their employees, whether it's inside a network or outside a network to really ensure that they're going to the proper venue that's gonna go back to that cost containment. You're talking a lot about, you know, in employee engagement. So it sounds to me, if I'm an HR person, man, it sounds like a lot of work for me. You're like adding all this work <laughs> on my plate. <laughs> like well, I, I'm there going, all right, I, I'm already going into a whole new realm of level funded yeah. or something. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Now I got all this added work on it. So how do you work with the HR to 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 put in this innovation and do these things and make it easy yeah. for them? Well, we're using uh uh, what, what would he call like sticks and stone tablets? I'm kidding. We're, <laughs> we're automated around that. I mean, it's it's really is is to go in there and say, how do we automate this as much as possible uh, with the health joy per se is that there's a lot around the technology front, around texting, emails, but they also have a personal touch. Our goal is to remove as much from that HR's desk or HR's phone line so that the members are in our ecosystem and our number one priority is to look out for the member and for the employer mm-hmm. and and to ensure that we're providing top-notch customer service getting in the right venue right doctor right place right time right cost so we really focus a lot and that's part of when we meet with the hr people vis-a-vis the brokers is to talk about how our approach is automated how our goal is to remove any of these phone calls where people say, I don't understand my benefits yeah. or this or that. You brought up something about looking out for the employer. And I think that a key point we bring up a lot when we talk to people is when you look at 
the Bukas, you look at the Blue Cross, United Healthcare, Cigna, et cetera, you know, their number one thing is they're, they're there to make money. They're there to make profit. They sit in there, they have to answer the board of directors every year and show profit. Um, and they make that profit in a million different ways. When you work with an independent TPA, basically you're paid just on a flat fee for services. I mean, you have, so your job is, hey, we're getting a fee for what we do. Uh We're not profiting on pharmacy. We're not profiting on the health plans giving, where you're getting care. We're there to make sure you get, as you said, get the right care at the right place at the right time and oversee all of that. so, I mean, I think you you have that fiduciary responsibility, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned pharmacy because I'd like to kind of chime in on that. So we we launched our own P, PBM Veris RX. And one of the major reasons we did is we're finding the traditional PBM model that has the rebate, rebate components. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to follow the money there and understand. And then employers are happy. Look, I got a big check back. And it's like, well, I mean, what was that a relative to what you should have received? So, so we found uh, a lot of times that we compete against uh, uh, the the national companies that have a PBM. You, know, you look at CVS, Aetna, obviously ESI and Cigna uh, merge too, that they're using those rebate fees to lower their admin cost. So. Okay had brokers calls like, well, I got an $8 admin fee. Can you match that? Well, I mean, when you start peeling away the layers, yeah. it's because they're applying those dollars from this vertical over here and et cetera. So that, that was one of the reasons we launched Veris is when we have to go in there and compete with an employer that wants to keep that traditional PBM model. We really like to focus on a pass-through model that's, that's much more transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to get a lot of employers, brokers under that mindset because they've been so accustomed yep. to the traditional model that's out there. But I would say around our PBM, it's the same mantra we focus around as flexible innovation accountability. We're doing some really unique things. Another great strategic partner of ours is Sharks, S-H-A-R-X. And they basically focus on all pharmacy claims, $350 a month and up. And they really are able to go in. In fact, we just uh, uh, took over a group uh, a couple months ago that had two lasers. So stop loss carriers will say, we'll take the risk, but these particular individuals, these two, the, in this example, were taking high dollar specialty drugs that were running $100,000 a year plus. Mm-hmm. So the stop loss carrier put a laser on those that says, you know, we'll take risk on, on anything 100,000 and up on those. So it, it uh, left the employer to have to assume additional risk. So Sharks was brought in and they really focus on three ways to, to reduce that specialty spend. There's programs out there that are copay assistance. There's programs out there financial assistance and there's programs out there international sourcing. So in that particular group I mentioned, they were able to remove those two specialty high dollar drug spends and basically get those close to zero. Mm-hmm. So the stop loss carrier removed the laser. I like that you're doing the fiduciary PBM model and doing that. One thing, you know, we've seen is if you look at the top three, five PBMs in the country, you know, CVS, Caremark, Optum, Express Scripts, you know, number one, if you look at their contracts and we've torn them apart before because we do a lot of I do a lot of PBM consulting for self-funded groups. You know, there's over 72 different ways that they profit off of an employer's health plan and employers have no clue. And when you strip those away and get into just a straight pass through fee for service model, this much per script, 
suddenly we see the employers, one, their pharmacy costs are lowering. You know, we always say we can save about 40% off the pharmacy by going into a fiduciary pass-through, using things like sharks. Um, and we have clients actually, the last one we just did an analysis on after 12 months, they actually reduced their pharmacy by 72%. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, you, again, you're taking away all those board of directors and those profit, you know, they're making money on it. Now no one's making money, they're getting a fee and you're passing that on to the employer. Sure. And you see larger rebates and so on. So, you know, we talk about all these pieces and health joy and hinge and sp- sharks and even my telemedicine. When you're, one of the, I think that the great things about working with ABA and your flexibility innovation and so on, is you have all these pieces, but if I'm an employer, am I suddenly, hey, here's your health plan, here's 20 pieces, or can they kind of build it? Or are you recognizing and saying, you know, you don't need Hinge right now because you don't have any more uh, skeletal issues. Yes, and so, I mean, of course, there's competitors to Hinge, like an Arosti is out there. So, I mean, we are flexible. I just happened to allude to, to those vendors that 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 we've uh, done, done business with, but um, especially brokers slash employers, may have another platform they want to use around the navigation components, which is mm-hmm. what HealthJoy does. So there's an accolade out there. There's other firms that do that. So, I mean, we are open. We, we really try to, and I use two words on, and we don't go direct to employers. We work through the brokers. And the two words I use on going through brokers is really, we want to be selective with the brokers we work with and also prescriptive. And what that means is we don't want to go out and call on every broker in the marketplace and be what that old adage a mile wide inch deep we want to find the right brokers but when we even we find identify those we want to be prescriptive and they may say hey we've got this approach well look at this one and then we determine what's the doesn't mean we have to go our approach but at least let's talk through it and what's going to be best for the client you mentioned the hr what's going to what's going to eliminate the noise from the hr what's going to give it the best ability for the plan to save money things like that so and you know the other thing I'll talk about. Also, I didn't mean to jump around here. Is is um, I think it's getting a lot of traction in the market is the captive space mm-hmm. too. And um, you know we are we are wired in with a, a number of captives. One we've had some success with is Everlong. Okay. And Everlong uh, has a model similar to ours, where it's a PEPM transparent model. So a lot of captives out there will say you got to put this reinsurer in. You got to put this disease management, care management company, and uh, this PBM, et cetera, and they get paid off those. But um, the Everlong approach we found is 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 very, very, uh, been very beneficial. In fact, that group I mentioned to on the lasers removed, that happened to be through the Everlong captive. But like I said, the brokers will work with the Paredos and other captives of the world, and we're wired in with those too. Uh, but it's that's part of that prescriptive is to sit down with the broker and say, okay, I know you like this path. Here's a path we have. Let's talk about it. And we may go the path the broker wanted, or they may say your path is good, or maybe it's kind of a meet in the middle. Yeah, we have our own captive. We work with uh, Echelon Risk to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Chad I should Alves. mention, I should yeah. mention yeah. Echelon too. Right. I mean, excuse me, we do a lot with uh, Echelon too. So. Well, it's interesting because you talk about being able to change things. You know, they have, Echelon has a great, when we have our groups in, in that yeah. captive, and it's interesting because we they come out with, hey, here's a TPA we use. Here's this. Here's that. We actually went in because of what I'm doing and the way I do things. And I like to buck the system all the time. I put in my own TPAs. I put in my own PBMs. I put in all my own things on the outside and just built it within the captive. Really, we're using a captive just for that stop loss protection and getting those better stop loss rates, et cetera. Absolutely. If you go back to the three things employers are looking for is that cost containment, member experience, the certainty. 
So when you have a lot of those smaller groups that are getting into that that alternative funding role and they don't have the 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 size on their group to spread it out that that stop loss renewal if they've had a couple of bad claims may be up here so they yeah. don't have that certainty so to bring it in and, and you mentioned echelon i want to i want to really give them some kudos too because i i like their approach because they take a lot of more difficult type employers things like that even the easy employers are really good at but they're really good at working with Fred over there and and determining, okay, let's let's really get deep on this and figure out what's going to be the best best way to 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 uh, provide value to the to the employer. Yeah, they're they're very innovative. And they're and they're really op open to new ideas and doing anything to really keep costs down and so on. I do want to switch gears because before we end all of this too, because I want to talk about something that Trevor brought me a couple of years ago um, was the OSMA plan or Oklahoma State Medical Association health plan. Um, you brought that to me a couple of years ago. We put in one of our clients and they've been on there now. They're, I think they just went through their second or third renewal. Um, so, and this is a, you know, it's a health plan that's been around for a long time in Oklahoma geared towards the healthcare providers. Can you talk a little bit about what that plan is and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So the OSMA, Oklahoma State Medical Association, about 16, 17 or so years ago, started their own health plan for uh, doctors, medical providers, really any employer group that's in that that medical SIC industry. <clears throat> and it's it's an association health plan or, or a multiple employer welfare arrangement. Um, and up there in Oklahoma, it's run great financially the entire time it's been around. Um, we got it here in Texas to start marketing and selling about three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, really had some traction uh, beginning um, that first year. Uh, here lately, effective July 1st this year, we went from the, the hybrid RBP model that we were using on it in Texas to now we have the United Healthcare Choice Plus network in Texas, uh, as well as now Arizona and um, Arkansas too. Well, I think that was huge because I know when we first came out, it had the, your IMSPPO network, which is your network that you guys own. Um, and then again, you had the hybrid RBP. That was one of the issues we had because there were some that said, hey, doctors aren't in it. It's harder to use. Um, now you've got that UHC Choice Plus network built into it, which is massive. And we're seeing a lot more traction now because it solves that problem. And I will comment on that because what we've seen is, and I know with the group groups we have in it, you know, a lot of more with the Blue Cross Blue Shield, they came in, their their premiums dropped fifty percent. And I know the one we've done that's been with it the longest, this next year, the premium stayed there. They were flat renewal. Actually, they went down. I take it back. They went down, I think, five or six percent. And then this past year, they I think they they got a few percentage increase. They're still under where they were three years ago. So the plan obviously works, it's running great. They got that new network in there. Um so I definitely, you know, I think if they're in that healthcare space, like I said, this should be an option that everyone should be looking at. Yeah. And, and I would add association plans. Everyone uh, thinks in general, like, let's bring a number of lives together and we'll use that as negotiating power. But you typically see a, a, a lot of I've dealt with a lot of association plans in my past. They get into that death spiral. Yep. Where, and what OSMA is really rigid about is you've got to be in the medical type profession. So it doesn't mean you have to be a doctor. You could be in the consultant, you could be a vet, you could be a janitorial service for healthcare. So you at least have that common thread. And it really ties in more from a culture 
I mean, that you're looking for, let's, we're going to focus on this industry that's got that healthcare component, but they also put some parameters in there on, on, uh, it's not, I'm going to say it's rigid. You got options, but around the plan designs and around like how they, how they underwrite to ensure the integrity of that plan for the long haul. And I think it's kudos to them to have an association plan that's, that's, that's got great surplus and has been around that long is, is, is impressive. Yeah. I'd also add, you know, they've, they've done some, some, some innovative things, um, over the years where, you know, like no cost surgeries. So, you know, on OSMA, you've got five health plans to choose from three are, you know, kind of your traditional copay plan, um, copay plans. And then you've got two HSA eligible plans. Well, you've got the surgery center of Oklahoma up in uh, Oklahoma city. Uh, We've got the NTTC surgery center in Mesquite. Now, um, the free market, uh, Texas free market surgery, surgery center in Austin, all contracted with OSMA to where if you're on one of these, these three copay plans, you can go to one of these facilities to have your surgery done. Um, and you don't pay anything out of pocket. It's all bundled the, from the facility, the surgeon fees, anesthesia fees, it's all bundled. OSMA is going to pay that price. And if you think about, you know, what's, you know, especially like some of these doctor's offices, um, you know, your front desk employees, um, they may not be making a ton of money, but maybe they have a kid that needs a tonsillectomy or they need uh, tubes put in their ears. You know, uh, you go anywhere else, that's going to be, you know, your deductible that you got to pay. They can go here. They don't pay anything out of pocket. Um, I think you brought up Surgery Center Oklahoma because we've talked about that for a long time in our mastermind group um, on the, as a next gen benefit strategy because we're able to send employees there for, you know, I think they were kind of the founder of bundled pricing, you know, where you can go in and say, hey, you can go to a hospital and have all these charges stacked up and you get this bill that's four pages long. You go there and it's one bill, all inclusive cheaper than what the hospitals are charging and you're getting top quality because they are one of the best for certain things. They are one of the best surgery centers in the country. Yep. Um, so I think that's great that you guys are using them and that OSMA is using them. I mean, I've, I've, I've used it, you know, on, on non OSMA business before, you know, and negotiating with, you know, stop loss underwriters, you know, somebody has got a surgery that is scheduled coming up. Well, that's a, that's a big risk, you know, when you're underwriting a policy to, to know that there's a known surgery coming up. Yeah. So we've used it to, you know, get that risk removed up front. The owners agreed to pay for the surgery at the surgery center of Oklahoma or wherever they go. Um, so it's a it's a great tool to have in your back pocket yeah. for sure. And, and Dan, it really ties in what we're saying. A lot of brokers will just say, here's a bundled approach with Blue Cross United Sig Netna that includes the medical, the pharmacy, et cetera. When you start looking, as I alluded to earlier, running those analyses that say, here's an RVP option, it may be a direct contract option that involves uh, Dr. Smith at the Oklahoma Surgery Center. Uh, It also could be the network option. So really kind of determining what's gonna be the best approach for my client, and then whatever way you decide to go, that's where ABA comes in and says, okay, let's bring the right solutions integrated in there, keeping in mind the whole HR component, the member experience, et cetera. And it goes, goes back to what you mentioned earlier, you know, we've got 20 different pieces that we could plug in, but how do we determine which pieces to plug in? You know, that, that's where the conversation with the broker consultant and working with somebody that's, you know, out of the box thinking can think outside of the box um, really comes into play because what's been the cycle for the last several years, you get your renewal, it's a 15% increase. Let's raise the deductible, let's raise copays. And what I like to talk about is how can we break that cycle? Mm-hmm. 
okay, you know, healthcare, health insurance spend is number two behind payroll. Um, how can we give back to the employees? How can we give back to the employer? Um, how can we save you money, be able to, you know, allow you to put more money back into your company, hire another employee. Um, but we got to break that cycle and, and really yeah. figure out a, a three to five year plus plan. And, and it's a cycle that's scary. I, I, you can read a lot of the data out there. We've reached this inflection point where employers have raised the out-of-pocket cost on their employees and members so much that you're starting to see they're not going to seek medical yeah. care. You know, one other thing I'll, I'll add here is is that I think it's very important. We are a big proponent of getting primary care relationships established with members. If you look on average, 60% of all members in the commercial space haven't seen a prime face-to-face. -face. Now, telemedicine's great. Those are more your urgent care, but I'm talking about more of a medical home approach. And we have uh, partnered with uh, Catalyst Health, Dr. Chris Crow, to uh, to look at how we segue and get primary care. It's called an advanced primary care model for the North Texas area. Then I will we've also partnered with a, a, a network called Apex, which is more national, that has that similar approach on how do you go in and get that relationship established with the member. And I know from my past, when you when you get that primary care engagement, I had an employer that had 20% utilization, they got it to 60, their ER, ED visits mm -hmm. went way down, their musculoskeletal spin way down, but they were going through their prime to help them be the quarterback, he or she to be the quarter, that, that particular prime is quarterback for the member to help ensure they're getting navigated to the next best step. Well, that goes into that whole right care, right time, right price. Um, and I really, I like that. And I think, so one thing too, you know, you guys have, you kind of, you kind of have, you're kind of, you know, you've got all the pieces covered. You've got the level funded, you've got your MEC plans, you've got the Ozma plan, but you also have the side of, you know what, if you guys have all those pieces, we can just be that quarterback that controls everything, just be that TPA. So if you've got maybe a self-funded group that's got all these pieces, you can just be the glue that holds it all together and run that. So you kind of got the whole gamut. I think it's great. Um, you know, I, and I love looking at the fact that, you know, ABA, flexibility, innovation, accountability, we've hit all of those and really talk about where you're shining in those areas. And then in the, the, the engagement on the, on the uh, employee engagement, I mean, I, I think it's a great point of enrollment, point of information and point of care. Um, you just it really shows how much ABA shines in those areas. Um, and I really appreciate. Do you have any final closing statements on? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't, Dan. Thank you for uh, hosting us. This has been great, Trevor. Yes, no, I mean, no, but yeah, definitely yeah. thank you for having us on and, yeah. uh, you know, looking forward to seeing it on LinkedIn. And <laughs> so, what's well, great, as I said, everyone, you know, ABA is a real great partner of ours. And so definitely, if you're an employer, you're looking for those level funded solutions, MEC solutions, or if you're a healthcare provider, and you really want to get look at that, maybe the OSMA plan that brings in some real solid savings with greater care. You know, in fact, I will mention Jay mentioned, you know, and so did Trevor, you know, you're in this, you're in this nosedive right now, you're getting increases every year, you're taking benefits away from the employee. Um, this is an opportunity where you can start controlling your benefits, bringing costs back, putting the benefit for the employee back into benefits. Um, so really, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, appreciate it. And uh, we want to get special thanks to our sponsors, Craig Shelley, Luxury Watches of Beverly Hills, uh, Success North Dallas, where Bill Wallace has been connecting people for over 30 years. And of course, Work Innovators, uh, where they're amplifying the voice of business. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.